Blog Talk Radio. Services, the doctors and nurses, and first responders to COVID. 
especially the wonderful people who clean up afterwards because they put themselves in harm's way in doing so. And the people who stock the shelves, uh, especially down here in Florida where everybody is running, getting eight and ten uh, jugs of water, please don't do that. Just get two. You only need two. Uh, everything will be okay. Uh, tonight's program, uh, we're starting off on a very dismal note. Uh, uh, on Thursday night, uh, a good friend of ours, uh, W. Mike uh, uh, Hardwork, uh, was working an extra duty uh, a job out on uh, Interstate 275. I just parked his, his unit uh, in the southbound lane, blocking uh, for the con- keep the construction workers safe. Uh, put on his vest and had just walked to the side of the road when one of the construction workers who couldn't see, shouldn't have been driving a, a vehicle, couldn't see over the bucket, uh, ran a spear through uh, Mike Harwick and uh, killed him instantly. Um, he then uh, left the scene of the accident, uh, ran into the woods, and then found out that uh, he's an illegal alien, and uh, that's why he didn't want to stick around. To, to Mike's uh, mom, Betty, his, his son, Joe, and, and Tommy, and his daughter, uh, Kaylee, um, our very best wishes go out to you at this very, very tough time. Uh, he was a he was a great man, a tremendous officer, and a wonderful father, and I know that for sure. We also want to send out our, our uh, deepest sympathy to the, the uh, family of Isaiah Jones, this very good, skilled fighter out of Detroit who was shot and killed last night in a family dispute. So uh, uh, with these uh, this auspicious start, um, it's hard to go off on a, a, a tangent like that, but uh, sometimes uh, I just get lost in my own, uh, my own mind. But all right, let's get started here. Uh, Tony Ferguson, Mr. Caden. Uh, what's going on with him? So, I mean, yeah, Okachui's been definitely not in his prime anymore. Um, mm-hmm. but, uh, you know, when he's, when he was in his prime and, you know, when he, when he won TUF and everything, you know, he was on top of the world and top of the lightweight division. Um, but I mean, I think what really is, is, is going to, is going to put just the nail in the coffin for him is, is that knockout from Michael Chandler. Um, mm-hmm. When he got front kicked in, in the second round, that was, it was devastating. And, I, and I, how many fighters have we seen come back from a devastating knockout, especially ones that are mm-hmm. in the tail end of their career? You know, fighters mm-hmm. don't come back, you know, when, when, when they're, when they're kind of going down in a down, downward spiral like he, like he is, you know, mm-hmm. um, and, and, and to go and to get knocked out like that, is is mm-hmm. pretty crazy. Something happens when you get knocked out like that. Something happens in your brain. You you change as a fighter um, mm-hmm. when you get knocked out like brutally like that. But um, mm-hmm. he does. He, he's still good. That does not take away from anything. He's still a good fighter. You know, when you get up close to him, he has dangerous elbows. He can strike from the. Um, you know, he, he he likes to. To, to hit you with the, the leg kicks and, and the crazy mind games. And, you know, he's, he's a crazy guy. has been pretty crazy throughout his entire career. Um, mm-hmm. But um, I, I, I don't know if I see a championship in his in his future. 
Uh, I do see him going down as one of the greatest lightweights of all time. You know, I do mm-hmm. see him going down as one of the best UFC fighters of all time, you know, just from what he's done in his whole career. And I think the biggest right. story on Tony Ferguson is why didn't he ever fight Khabib? That was the, mm-hmm. the greatest fight that never happened, in, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. You know, the, it, they were supposed to fight, like, three times and never happened. Either someone missed weight mm-hmm. or someone got hurt. Um, mm-hmm. I think that, that, that'll really come to bite him in the ass. Is, I mean, mm-hmm. I wouldn't say bite him in the ass, but that, that'll that be a, a big regret in his career, is never fighting mm-hmm. Khabib. Because that was, at the time, what? if I were going to say if anybody could have beat Khabib, it would have been mm-hmm. him. Hmm. What do you think, Ty? No, I, I, I think everything Caden said, said is, is, is absolutely accurate. Um, they actually were scheduled to fight four times, and four times it fell through. So it's going to go down in history as the most cursed fight in MMA history. Fight that should have happened, could have happened four times, didn't happen. Um, with that said, at that particular point in time, Tony did look like the only threat to Khabib. Uh, it's easy to say now, well, Khabib would have you know, wrestled him the way Oliveira did or Darius did, but we didn't know that at the time, and we still don't know that. Tony has definitely passed his best days, and I think – uh, Caden said it best, and, you know, he, he kind of really ended this, the discussion when he said the nail in the coffin was the Michael Chandler kick. Now, obviously, Ferguson was mm-hmm. on the slide since the Justin Gates fight. Um, the Chandler kick was, was basically it. And he didn't look anything. Like, he looked good to me against Michael Chandler in the first round. Um, he didn't mm-hmm. look good against Nate Diaz. I know he was winning the fight, but he looked slow. He looked old. Um, he was punching himself out of position. A lot of stuff he used to get away with when he was younger and more twitchy and, you know, faster and fresher an athlete, he can't get away with anymore. And his mm-hmm. boxing was never that crisp. He was always an unorthodox fighter, and it's just not mm-hmm. working for him anymore. So I, I, I completely agree with everything. Okay. The, uh, um, um, okay. Hold, um, if you don't mind, <laughs> as one thing, though, yeah. uh, and – in Ferguson's case, the devastating knockouts at the end of his career, the, 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 his performances in the knockout really kind of solidified things. But when fighters, mm-hmm. you do have fighters who get devastatingly knocked out, and that is, you know, their careers continue successfully. Um, Vandalay Sosa, mm-hmm. Michael Bisbane. I mean, there are fighters who get, that, that happens to, and, you know, I mean, more than once. And these guys they also have victories, and they they continue. So, it's part of it when you get scared is when the guys are older, and it becomes a trend. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, and let's uh, let's move over to the purveyor of food sandwiches, uh, uh, Anthony uh, from Anthony's Bakery. Uh, what do you think of Anthony's the Canelo Bakery? Bakery? Anthony's Bakery, baking goods for the losers. Oh, man. That one hurt me. I'm a Triple G fan, as everybody knows, but unfortunately, I think his days are up. Um, Even though it is being broadcast, he's claiming he's not done and he's going to try to fight uh, one of the Charlo boys, I believe, uh, if that happens. But we'll see. 
But um, what I caught of it, I think I got up most of the way through before I was first down by security at uh, Vegas Airport, and the uh, was wasn't real thrilled with watching the fight. I thought both of them really were kind of laxed. I think they both could have mm-hmm. done better. Um, but it's obvious that Golovkin's just worn out. Um, Canelo, mm-hmm. Canelo didn't impress me either, though. So, I mean, yeah, he won the fight, but I think he's in trouble mm-hmm. here. I think he's got a couple he's going to have some problems with here soon, too. Mm-hmm. Okay. What do you think, Zeke? Well, first, I, I, I do think that uh, Anthony's right. Neither, I mean, to to a point to where Golovkin, he's had it. I mean, and I mean, he's had it on that level. I don't think he's done. I think he's correct because he was very competitive against the top guy, you know, that to be right now the top one of the top guys in boxing. Period. Um, mm-hmm. So no, he's not done. And I don't think he's done at all. But with that said, as far as the championship level. He's only going to go uh-huh. downhill. Uh, Canelo, he, I also agree, he didn't impress me the way Canelo usually does. And Ty and I were talking about it. Canelo, as good as he is, he's not a guy that's going to get any better. He's not going to show you anything mm-hmm. new. He's not going to advance past what he is now. Not saying he needs to because he's a great, he's, he's an all-time great, you ask me. Um, mm-hmm. But, He's not a guy you're going to say, well, he's going to, you know, he, he has more potential. Now, Canelo's there. Uh-huh. He, he has nowhere to go, to be honest, but downhill. So I also agree with Anthony to say Canelo, he really potentially could be in trouble, depending on how, who's lined up and who he fights. Canelo, he might take, you know, a guy who's not suspected of beating him, but Canelo's also known for down the road. He will take a guy, you know, he will take a beast. He will take a guy that you know that he's maybe expected to be in a in a popular realm, but not in the boxing realm. So mm-hmm. I do agree with most of what Anthony said. Or what Anthony said. Mm-hmm. Okay, Ty. I will say also. I want to add one thing too is that we had discussed uh, discussed a couple of things about both fighters last week. One being that Canelo appeared to be shaken up since he fought Bivol and lost. And even though he did beat Golovkin, I, I still, after watching that, he appeared to me like he's still got an issue. He he hasn't recovered back to the fights he had prior to that. He's still showing, like, something's not right. And I, it, and I don't think it's just he forgot how to box or can't remember how to do what he was doing before. I think it's more along the lines of, it's a mental thing. Like, he lost. He wasn't expecting to. He did, and it's still right there in the back of his head. If he was not the Canelo, everybody knows. He well, should have well, scored Golovkin the way so Golovkin I, 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 I think, Okay, wait. Before you go, Zito, since, since, since uh, Butch <laughs> queued me up, let me go ahead and respond since Butch queued me up before you go. Uh, I agree with mostly everything everyone's saying except the last thing Tony said. The very last thing Tony said is essentially the only thing in – uh, Tony and Zito's arguments I disagree with. And the only reason why I disagree with it is because you call it a mental block. I don't think it's mental at all. I um, have said this before. Uh, I, I think I said it once on the show. And then after watching the uh, Triple G fight, I said it to Zito. 
Canelo is just not a fighter who's any longer at his peak. Zito kind of referenced it when he said he's plateaued, he's not going to get better. But what I, when Zito and I had a private, private conversation after the fight, one of the things that I mentioned, that was mentioned, in fairness to Canelo, uh, he did have a hand, a hand injury that uh, really flared up during the fight. His doctor actually confirmed that he may need surgery, may be out for a while. What I saw is the same thing I saw in the Caleb Plant fight. You just didn't have a young guy in front of him. Canelo Alvarez is 32 years old now. We've been watching this kid really fight on our radar since he was 20. So we've been watching him go for 14 years, you know, as far as, Mm -hmm. you know, kind of being a a popular attraction. The kid started fighting when he was 14 years old professionally. He started fighting Mm -hmm. 14 professionally. In this day and age, people 32 years old typically don't have 50 fights. And Canelo Mm -hmm. does. Um, he's kept a very busy pace, and he's starting to have a lot of nagging injuries. He had uh, a knee surgery, I believe, before the second mm-hmm. fight with Triple G. Uh, he's he's mm-hmm. had a, you know quite a few nagging injuries lately. And so what I see is a guy who athletically is still in his prime, but he's no longer at his peak. He's on the decline. Not saying mm-hmm. not, not saying past. I'm saying past. I don't think he's at all. He went there against Bivol. He fought a guy who beat him. And he looked, you know, mentally and even physically, he looked good starting the fight. He just gassed and he never kind of recovered from gassing. Um, but what I see mm-hmm. is a guy, and I started seeing this in the Caleb Plant fight, a guy who's not moving his, at the waist as much as he used to. Um, in the Caleb Plant fight, he was kind of a stalker. You know what I mean? The last mm-hmm. kind of fight where, to me, he looked peakish was, the you know, like the Billy Joe Sanders fight. And he looked really right. good against Callum Smith. And Caleb Plant, he was kind of just stalking him behind the high guard. Then he tried to do the same thing that Bivol didn't work. He already has Triple G's number. He knows that after the first fight, he was never going to lose the Triple G again. Because he mm-hmm. knew that, you know what, I can see the punches. All I have to do is impress the judges by coming forward. Because whatever you want to say about the first fight and whether you thought Triple G won or not, the fact of the matter is that Epic Canelo let his hands go, he always got the better of his He just recognized that he just had to minimize his energy because Canelo never had an elite tank. So what I see is a guy not with a mental block, a guy who physically is just not as peak at his peak anymore. More along the lines of what Zito said, he's plateaued, he's not going to become better. And then as we get mm-hmm. older, he's not doing some of the things that he used to do. So he couldn't step on the gas because he just he, that's not where he's at at this point. That's what I put it to. Not a guy who's mental blocks, a guy who's just not at his peak anymore with the car. But still he's just on the other side. I I, I think that not I, and I, I never, you know, thought that Canelo did have a mental block. I, I actually I think that the thing with him and Triple G is that they saw each other, they see each other too much. And when you have guys, they, it's not like the Deontay Wilder and Tyson Fury who, you know, the, the power makes a difference in that quick second. They're heavyweights and they're hit harder and easier to hit. These are two really refined guys. And I don't, to be honest, I don't care, you know, Canelo, yeah, he could have had a hand injury. You know, he probably did. Um, he was never, he never going to knock Triple G out and maybe – you know, as the older Triple G gets, 
But Canelo's getting nope. older too, as as yep. as Tom said. And those two mm-hmm. guys seeing each other just won't result in the knockout. Maybe some maybe something if they fight ten times, maybe one time somebody gets knocked out. But these two guys, they they already gauge each other. What I'm saying with Canelo is that Canelo, he's as an older fighter, and, and when you know who you got in front of you to a degree, you don't need to do uh, uh, the things you know the things that Canelo did when he was younger. He doesn't need to move as much against a Triple G at the waist because he saw him. He doesn't. He knows what's coming, so he doesn't necessarily need to put that extra energy into it to to, to mm-hmm. move at the waist all the time against a guy he's seen so many times. They they these guys they've done. How many rounds? <laughs> exactly. So, I, I mean, it's not like, you know, Canelo needs to, you know, really put, you know, energy to do what he needs to. And the same kind of with Triple G. Like, Triple G looked good. He looked better against Canelo than he did in his previous fight. And to me, I think mm-hmm. that's because he knows what he's getting when he sees Canelo. He knows how to, how to deal with certain aspects of Canelo. He knows how not to get knocked out by Canelo and to keep himself dangerous. So, I mean, mm-hmm. it, it was all Canelo fought a better fighter, a better, bigger fighter. That's it. But mm-hmm. I didn't see any residual effects in that fight. I just saw him do what he, he did. The guy that he fought is just getting a little older than he is, and he did what he was supposed to do to win. He didn't get hurt too mm-hmm. much. He didn't get hit with anything really, really major. He got caught a few times, but that happens every time these guys fight. So mm-hmm. that's kind of what I saw. Okay, Katie, what uh, what's your thoughts on the the uh, situation with uh, GSP? Uh, he's calling out an awful lot of people all of a sudden. Uh, uh, he wants Anderson Silva or Kahib. What's your thoughts? You sure he's calling out people? Yeah. <laughs> so that, uh, he, so out, of all, out of all people <laughs> in the fight, I would, I would at least think it to be GSP and want to come back. Every <laughs> single interview I've seen with him is always... Yeah, the, yeah, the last interview I saw back. with GSP, he said that uh, he wasn't going to come back. It was called for him to uh, yeah. go against Khabib. I think it was a, like a $100 million offer, and he he turned that down. Yeah. Did they do it? It's like he repeats it. He repeats that he's never going to come back every single time. At least five times he repeats it. Like, you know, it would be cool if that fight did happen, but sadly, I'm never going to come back. Um, So, I mean, if that is true and he wants to come back, I I do doubt he's willing to fight Khabib unless he's willing to gain a bunch of pounds because Khabib's not going to, he's not going to wait. He's not going to wait cut mm-hmm. from the like two, two hundred and five pounds that he walks around at, and especially right. I don't think he's going to fight um, uh, Khabib because I don't think Khabib's ever going to fight again because of the whole situation with his dad. Um, mm-hmm. And if you were to fight Anderson Silva, um, honestly, I don't know how that 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 fight would go, depending on what mm-hmm. sport they're going to do it in, whether it's MMA mm-hmm. or boxing. But I bet it would be boxing, and if that does happen, I'm going to go with the more experienced boxer, the bigger guy, the longer guy, um, and, and the, the more the more of a finisher, which is in in, um, mm-hmm. in Anderson Silva. You know, if I if I was on mm-hmm. boxing, 
um, I would definitely go Anderson Silva in that. But if MMA, GSP definitely has more of a shot. Um, mm-hmm. But that being said, I, I doubt those fights will happen. Okay. All right, well, what about, what's your thoughts on uh, uh, Whitaker and uh, um, uh, man, uh, Chimaev? Uh, no, your buddy. Uh, uh, I can never say Chimaev. Chimaev? Oh, Kazmaev? Yeah, yeah Hamza. Hamza. Um, so if Hamza, honestly, I think the best, the best, absolute best decision for Hamza is to get the hell out of one. 75 or 185, wherever they're at. I'm pretty sure it's mm-hmm. welterweight. What is welterweight? Is it 180, 185? Wait, yeah. 170? No, welterweight's 170, right? Yeah, 170. 170, yeah. Um, it's, it's, it, it's, I think his main thing right now is should be to get the hell out of 170. You know? Mm-hmm. He's a big guy. He's a, he's a really big welterweight. It's going it's to be hard, and it's going to be very hard to, to make 170, especially when you got to go fight. And, and and you're all dehydrated and your weight cut. Um, it takes a toll on you. It takes a toll on a lot of fighters. Um, and, and you know, Hamza wasn't willing to go through that last fight. And if you really was going to make that little of an effort to cut weight, then just move up. And with this whole the weird title thing, the unexpected knockout, you know, it's going to be a year until he gets a title shot. So he should just mm-hmm. move up, and if he's quicker, it's going to be quicker to get to Adesanya to get to Usman or, or Leon Edwards, whoever wins the rematch. Because mm-hmm. they're going to give that to, to Usman before they give it to, to anybody else in that whole division. Mm-hmm. And it makes sense. You know, that's, a, that's an unexpected knockout, one of the biggest upsets of the year. If, if not the biggest upset of the entire UFC history, which is what I think it is. Um, mm-hmm. So I think it's a quicker way to, to get a title and the more ethical way to get a title is to go through 185. That's the smartest mm-hmm. way. Mm-hmm. What do you think, Buck? So I don't think you should fight Well, you know, here's the thing, right? I, 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 I do agree with Caden to a point, right? Because Israel Adesanya has, he has a fight coming up against uh, Ojeda. If he beats Pojeda, then he, he essentially has lapped the division. He's already done that anyway. They fast-tracked Pojeda, but Pojeda is very dangerous. We know he has two victories over Izzy in kickboxing. If you watch the fight, he has one victory. Izzy looked like he won the first fight. Izzy was on his way to winning the second fight before he got caught in the last round. Um, with that said, mm-hmm. if Pojeda wins, Izzy has also been, an, been a long-reigning champion. A contingent upon how it happens, then you're looking at a rematch there too as well, right? If it's a if it's a, a close fight and Pajada wins, rematch. If Izzy dominating and Pajada catches them, rematch. So there, you know, that's the one thing about you know any sport, right? They're invariable. They're things that you just kind of can't you know factor in all the time. And so he could be looking at a rematch in the middleweight division for the title too. So what Jimmy needs to do is he needs to either get his ass in gear and make weight at 170 and continue to be the bulldozer he is, or he needs to do what Caden said and move up to 185. There has been some hints that that's what he's looking to do, to move up to 185. And uh, as far as Robert Whitaker goes, 
that obviously would and should be his main target, right? Robert Whitaker is still the, you know, number one uh, rated contender in the division. However, something was said about, you know, him fighting Whitaker, and he said, oh, Whitaker's a great guy. I, I would never want to fight him. And now they're talking about training together. So I, I don't even know if he would fight Whitaker at this point because they got this whole growth thing going on that's developing. Um, but with that said, I you know, I completely agree with Caden. He needs to, even though for me, I'm not going to say move up to 185 because I don't know what happened and contributed it to his weight loss. It's the first time he hasn't made 170, even though Caden is absolutely right. He's a huge 170-er. But he needs to, you know, get disciplined and just, you know, take the next available guy and bulldoze him. The title shot's going to be there. He's marketable. Mm-hmm. Dana White wants to put a title on him. So all he needs to do is, is, is make weight and be ready. Simple as that. Okay. And What's your another thoughts, reason why I want to see him move up to middleweight is because I want to see my two favorite fighters fight. I want to see Hamza versus Paula Costa. That's the fight I want to see, too. That, I'm not going to lie. Mm-hmm. I so want to see that fight. Oh, yeah. If only mm-hmm. for the promotional build-up. That we will yeah. barely be able to understand because they both speak both <laughs> English, which makes it even funnier. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, it seems like the underlying, uh, uh, the underlying theme of tonight is that age is wasted on the youth or, or you know, uh, because uh, – you know, all of us, when we get older as fighters, you know, you get the, the mentality there and you become a better fighter, a more mature fighter, but yet your body just doesn't cooperate anymore. Um, and as far as uh, Hazmat's concerned, you know, Rogan was all over him in that interview when he didn't make weight for uh, Diaz. Like, well, what if this was a title fight? What if this was a title fight? You know, and Hazmat just kept going off and he's the baddest on the planet, but you've got to make weight or you can't be a part of it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, so, uh, right, well, let me ask you. Talk about making weight, Tony. What uh, What's your thoughts on uh, Shakar Stevens not making weight and having to give up his title? But again, it's, uh, it's, you know, I I didn't hear anything about exactly him, but anybody. That's part of. That's the hardest part of this game. Any knucklehead can go beat somebody up. But to do the weight mm-hmm. cuts and to do the absolute positive training and going through a training camp and doing it correctly and giving that respect back to the sport, I mean, Butterbean, otherwise go in there and beat everybody. You, you know? Yeah, my I man. Mean, <laughs> <laughs> but you got to make your way. you, you got to go through. That's, that's, the, that's the tough stuff. Then what's your thought yeah, on the Shakar I, I mean, he said it himself. You know, he said he was having a hard time keeping that weight. Now he's getting a little older, and it's harder for him to yeah. Yeah. to do it. You know, that kind of came out of his mouth. I mean, you got to give him respect for that. You know, he he took a hard hit having to give up his titles like that, dropping them on the you know, being done with it, not making weight. But it's more about the future than it is the present. He's already proven himself. Right. Uh, you know, so I think. Uh, I think he did the right thing. I mean, he did what he could do up to that point, and he realized he couldn't make it. He took it like a man, and here you go. You have the title. So I'm going to go up, and I'm going to beat somebody else's ass. So it's coming. Mm-hmm. Okay. Ty? Yeah, what Tony said was absolutely spot on. Um, Shakur is, is just outgrowing the weight. 
he started his career at 126, and I remember seeing him at 126, and he was, like, tall and skinny. Then he moved up to 130. Yeah, 130 was, mm-hmm. you know, skinny, but just not as tall at 130, right? Then he took the fight with Jamil McCline. And it's you know, I'll tell you this. When Jamil McCline was older, taller, and he was he actually had fought uh, a, a big part of his career at one thirty five and moved down to one thirty and eventually won a title later in his career. And when Shakur came into the ring to fight Jamil McCline, this was two fights ago. I Jamal Harris. Whoa. He is huge. You know, I mean, it's kind of oxymoronic for me to say a guy who's 135 pounds is huge when I'm, you know, 6'2", 220, right? But nonetheless, mm-hmm. he was a he had grown. And when I saw him against Jamil McCline, I was like, whoa, this, this dude has, like, developed his body. Like, he's just grown. And he's not long for this division. This was his third fight in that division. He didn't make weight. He dominated the fight, by the way, you know, because that's the – kind of the subplot to what happened because him not making weight mm-hmm. was such a big thing. First time in his career. But like Tony said, he, he just outgrew the division. He did everything mm-hmm. according to him, and his body just wouldn't allow him to shed that last half a pound or pound or whatever. And he said, you know, his last fight at 130 moves up to 135. If he does that, then that's, we know what happened. You know, just like Tony and I, you know, kind of believe his word that he outgrew the division. If he moves up and fights 135 and above mm-hmm. from this point in, oh, and that's what it was. If he comes back to mm-hmm. 130, then we'll start to question whether it was discipline, right? But I, I tend to agree with Tony. You know, he outgrew the division. Um, and like I said, Azito uh, will tell you the same thing. He looked a certain way at 126, and he looked that way at 130 up until he fought uh, not Jamil McCline, Jamil Herring. Jamil McCline's an old former heavyweight. Up until he fought Jamil Herring. When he fought Jamil Herring, he just looked like a different physical specimen who did not look like he would be long for 130. Mm-hmm. Good. Hey, Bob, what you think of uh, Sean O'Malley and uh, Peter Yan? That fight's coming up. Was that tonight? I didn't. Oh, that's coming up. Yeah, yeah. I think we all love smiling Sean O'Malley. Um, yeah, so, and then Peter Yan is just a beast. Uh, I like O'Malley, but Peter Yan is a specimen. So I, I'm going to have to lean that way and probably go visit, uh, if I'm lucky, Tony's Sandwich Shop, because I'm still laughing at that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which I know that's your boy, uh, yeah, your boy, uh, uh, Caden, what's your thoughts? Um, I love Jan. Uh, I really do. Um, I like Sean O'Malley too. Um, but mm-hmm. to, to the lead up to that fight, it, it, it's going to be nice. You know, I can't wait until the, the you know the press conference and everything. But you know, mm-hmm. you know, cut the shit, and it comes to actually fighting. Mm-hmm. John's going to go in there and bully him. You know the old the, the the best fighter the best fighter Sean's fought yet was Cheeto Vera, and we all saw who, how that fight went. Mm-hmm. Cheeto Vera got him out of there. Cheeto Vera, I mean, well, mm-hmm. I, wasn't it? I'm pretty sure it was Doctor Stoppage, but um, Cheeto won the fight. And you know, mm-hmm. if he can't beat Cheeto Vera, I don't think he can beat Jan. And mm-hmm. you know, with that being said, I, you know, even even with that, even if he beat Cheeto. You know, 
uh, Peter Yan is a massive leap. Peter Yan is a massive leap for him. And, mm-hmm. you know, to go in there after fighting Pedro Munoz and getting disqualified due to all those eye pokes and, and, and low blows, which were probably fake. Um, you know, they didn't, they didn't really look that real. Um, and, and there's just not enough tape. There's just not enough tape out for him that, that can prove to me that he can beat Peter Young. But as everyone knows, once you get into the octagon, anything can happen. But what's mm-hmm. looking like what's going to happen is Young is going to go in there and bully him. And I, I don't see that fight going well for Sean at all. I see it right from right from the start to the finish. It's going to be controlled mm-hmm. the entire time by Peter Young. He's going to outstrike him. If he tries to wrestle, mm-hmm. he'll wrestle him. Um, and it's 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 going to be nasty. I think it's going to be a, a fairly quick detail. And it's, mm-hmm. it's going to be domination by Young. I hate to say it. Good. I really do. I, I really like I really like this guy. I really like Sean O'Malley. But I just don't think he can keep up with that. Not yet. Right. I want to see how Sean O'Malley acts after this beating he's going to get because it's going to be interesting to watch him. You know, how do you act after that? You know, can he take it like a man or is he going to, you know, continue on with his antics? So. He'll be butthurt. He'll you know what? Butthurt. You know, here's a couple couple quick things, right? couple things about that fight. I love Peter Yan, by the way. Love Peter Yan. Uh, I'm a Muay Thai guy. I've trained Muay Thai for years. So that's why I also love Bob, right? But I love Peter Yan. Um that's a three-round fight, not a five-round fight. Peter Yan's, like, last four fights have been five-round fights. He's a guy who gets a read on you, then warms up and starts to cook, brings the pressure, and wears you down. Three mm-hmm. rounds, he's dealing with a lot of range and a lot of movement, a lot of speed and, and twitchiness from, from Sean O'Malley. He's going to have to start quicker without also opening himself up because Sean O'Malley – you know, he's he's a dynamic striker, regardless of what we think about him. And I think he's a buffoon, 100%, but he's still a dynamic striker. Um, Five-round fight, Peter Yan all day, every day. Three-round fight, I still think Peter Yan wins. But with his range, with his movement, and with the threat of his power, and Peter Yan specifically, stylistically, being a shorter guy who likes to start a little slower and get reads on his opponent. It makes this fight more interesting than I think it would be had it be a, you know, would it be a five round affair? I still, I, Peter Yan is the better fighter. Um, and, and I think no matter what happens in that fight, I still am going to think Peter Yan, Sean O'Malley could come out and knock him out in the third or second round, unless he actually just dominates Peter Yan. No matter what happens, win or lose, I, I think Peter Yan is the better fighter. However, I do think because, if I'm correct, it is a three-round fight because it's not a main event. Because it's a three-round fight, it gives Sean O'Malley an avenue for a victory. And that's not what I want to see, but just being objectively, analyzing the fight stylistically, a three-round fight gives him a much, much better shot at a victory against Peter Yan in a five-round fight. Just want to throw that out there to you guys. Well, I, I will say that Jan's going to be less, is going to be a lot less gassed if the fight goes to the fifth round. You know, he's going to be a lot less tired if, he, if it, when the fight goes to the, if it goes to the third round. 
which I don't think it will. But if it does end up going into the third round, um, and if it does go to the third round, that that means it's a good fight. You know, these are two guys where, you know, no matter what, I don't think they're ever going to have a boring fight in their career. Kind of like Michael Chandler. I doubt Michael Chandler will ever have a boring fight in his career. You know, every single time I watch Michael Chandler fight, I pray it goes to the distance. Because, you know, it's going to be mm-hmm. a great fight. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, okay. This Earlier this afternoon, uh, Mr. Joe Joyce and Mr. Uh, Joseph Parker got together for a little dance. Uh, Z, did you happen to see that? Todd, <laughs> uh, did you happen to see that? <laughs> yes, I watched that. Three times, 
right back. Mm-hmm. If you can't hurt somebody who is always in front of you throwing punches, which Joe Joyce is, because as a heavyweight, mm-hmm. he apparently has his lungs are, are bigger than his body because he, he mm-hmm. just keeps coming. You could see him get tired, but even as he was tiring, his pace was just still way above a heavyweight's pace. And so you got a mm-hmm. big guy who starts downhill, who's throwing that pace, who you can't hurt or stun enough to deter. I figured Joseph Parker could win. Why? Because he was good enough to hit him clean enough throughout the fight to deter him. He did everything that he doesn't do. Like Joseph Parker doesn't step in the shots like that. That's his big problem. Nope, he stepped in the shots. He fought a good fight. He, he just was fighting. He was fighting a, a, an avalanche. You could punch an avalanche all you want, but you're still going to end up buried under snow. And mm-hmm. what shocked me, what shocked me was Joe Joyce breaking down. And you could see by the fifth round, like Joseph mm-hmm. Parker was tired. He was fighting mm-hmm. still. He didn't fight, but he was just worn out. And when it got to the 11th round, when he knocked Joseph Parker out, and Joseph Parker has a mm-hmm. hell of a chip. He's durable in every way. It was a clean knockout, mm-hmm. but it, it, it was it could have been a body shot. Like he had just mm-hmm. broken him. He literally broke Joseph Parker. Joseph Parker mm-hmm. to me never been a hard guy to break mentally, but physically, mm-hmm. no, you don't physically break Joseph Parker. He physically mm-hmm. broke a Joseph Parker who actually showed the fortitude to stand in there and try to knock his ass out. So I, I was wrong. I was happy to be wrong. And, damn, that was an impressive, impressive performance as far as I'm mm-hmm. concerned. See, I don't mind, mm-hmm. Crow. You know why? Because I'll fry it and see it <laughs> Well, I got a beat up for you, brother. There it is. <laughs> yeah. Just give me the wings. I don't like dark meat. Tony's bakery was sending Yes, sir. Give me a plate. I don't like dark meat. Hey, Ty, Usyk and Joyce. Usyk and Joyce. Who who you got on that one? Ooh. Well, you know what? It's funny because I, I don't know if you guys know this, right? In the Super Series of Boxing, they don't count on your pro record. But, you know, a lot of guys who came out of the amateur you know, system fought in the Super Series of Boxing. Uh, Lomachenko did it, Usyk did it. Usyk and Joyce actually met in the finals of the tournament. Mm-hmm. Only eight-round fight. Usyk won by decision, but uh, that was a different Joyce. That was a different Usyk. I still think, I still believe Usyk can outbox him because I believe he's too fleet of foot and Joyce is just too slow of foot. But again, I, I said it before and I definitely know it now. I believe the only people that can beat Joe Joyce, I mean, unless all of a sudden his chin cracks, but the Joe Joyce, as we know it, based on what I saw today, the only guys that potentially could beat him would be Fury, uh, Wilder, and Joshua. That's that's what I believe. And I think against Wilder, you know what, man? He's, to me, he's at that place where he has a shot against anybody because he's a guy – can't stop him, he can't deter him. And he's not as easy to steer and just purely outbox as he seems because he's learned to just touch you. He's not trying to knock you out with every shot. He's just touching with rank. So I would still slightly favor him to 
back over him. And, I, you know, if you were to ask me, I'd slightly favor the corner. I'd maybe go over. But outside of that, man, he's <laughs> – what I saw today, <laughs> Dylan White, stay away. And like to to be honest, a guy like Joe Joyce, he's a guy to wear against Sixers. Hey, Zito, real quick, real quick, yeah. Zito, I gotta yeah. ask you this: Your problem with Joe Joseph Parker's always been that he's been contact averse. You thought he would lose the fight because he was contact averse. That's not what happened. Would you agree? Well, well, more or less, I thought he would lose the fight because he could. What he doesn't like, Joe Joyce does in multitude. One thing during the well, well and I seen the highlights, and well, I seen you know, kind of you know lengthy highlights. One thing I kept seeing is Joe Joyce just having him on the ropes, going to the body, just just every like. Every time he could, he yeah, cut the man. Yeah, let me tell you one thing. He wore his tank out, bro. So that's why he was tired around the fifth round because Joe Joyce yeah, started that early. And, the and body shots and the pressure. Yeah, and that's 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 two things. One thing is this: if Parker mentally doesn't like it, then eventually the physical is going to catch up. You know this too. We all know this. When you fighting. And you know you have something mentally keeping you away from certain risk and stuff. Then you're telling us something too. You're telling you're telling the, the other fighters something too. And yeah, but Parker said, took risk this fight. You know what I mean? Like, see, the one thing about Joe Joyce is he keeps fighters mentally. You could kind of stay in a fight because you can hit him with the big shot. And Parker, there were times where, and, and this is what surprised me. There were times where it looked like, man, he's a, you know, he, he's trying, but he, he's about to just be kind of ran out the ring. There's too much pressure. He's gassing. He's struggling. He's having to back up to catch his breath. He's having to hold. And then all of a sudden, you know, all of a sudden he'd step in with, with, with combinations. And I'm like, okay, he's, you know, he's still there because he sees the shot. He, what happened was is just a, he got caught with a left hook. And when it, 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 he hit, the funny thing is, he hit Joyce multiple times harder than the left hook he got hit with. But his body was just so good. Like, he was flagged and, and, and from the fifth round on. It, it's like literally, and that's what surprised me about Parker. I saw his mind and his heart keep him in a fight where his body was just getting worn down. And, and as I as I was I watching the fight, the other, the other way, you know. As I was watching the fight, it reminded me a lot. I mean, different dynamics, different things. It reminded me a whole heck of a lot. And I don't know why you didn't see this tie of Margarito Cota. Oh, I saw it during the fight. I saw it during the fight. I saw it during the fight. Trust me. I saw it during the fight. I kept watching it. I said, "Man, I said Joe Joyce is slow Garrido. He is just slow, but boy." Like, he – I want his skull examined. I want his skull examined because Parker <laughs> launched into his face well, multiple times. Well, I watched mm-hmm. the Severn fight with um, with with, uh, with, with um, Joe Joyce, and Severn hits harder than Parker. Um, and he didn't deter – he didn't really – he launched right hands all in uh, Joe Joyce's face. As, 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 yeah, as, but um, see, Zito, he got rid of those guys early. 
He got rid of and, and Stavon was drafted. And he got rid of the only guy that stayed that, that lasted at that point ten rounds or however long I think was, was Brian Jennings, but you know, that was still early in Joe. But my point is he was getting rid of even Takam. Takam hit him with some good shots, but he got rid of those guys early. I said, Hey, Joseph Parker's good enough to hit him with good shots for eight, nine, ten rounds. And he was, but it just didn't matter. And that's another thing. Joseph Parker, as he he's not the hardest hitting heavyweight. He's not. I mean, as much he, now he tries, but he really kind of found his crack the fight the, the, the fight before when he had to. In this fight, he had no choice but to do that. He wasn't going to outbox. Yeah, the, the and he Parker, did. It just didn't the, work, the, man. It didn't work. But he, he had no choice because the softer he would have tried to hit uh, um, um, Joyce, the, the, the more Joyce would have came. He slowed Joyce down by force. He didn't slow Joyce down by will. He didn't make Joyce say, oh, that punch hurt. He hit Joyce with force and then stopped Joyce's feet for a second or two. But then Joyce like, would keep like, coming. I honestly thought what would happen was if Parker were to lose, that he would flag and the pressure would be too much. He wouldn't be able to hurt Joe Joyce. And, and, and actually by about the sixth or seventh round, I, if Parker were to lose, that's because by the sixth or seventh round, he's just trying not to get hurt. That's what I was expecting. No, 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 no. That's not what happened. He took risks all through. He threw hard punches all through. It just nothing he could do. It was just nothing he could do. But and, and Parker was, is not trying, Parker is not slick enough to stay away from it, and his not trying to get hurt has a lot to do with holding, and he's not going to hold Joe Joyce. That that there is he's not going to work. He, okay, he, so he, I mean, you know what? So here's the thing, and this is what I noticed: some guys you can't clinch. Joe Joyce sometimes will pull away from the clinch. Sometimes when you clinch him, he's cool with that because he's the bigger guy. So that didn't help David Parker, Joseph Parker, because what Parker would do, he might launch a shot, and then he would, you know, he'd get tired and clinch. And then so what would Joe Joyce do? Push him down and push him back. So he's wearing, he's wearing him out in the clinch, too. He's a problem, man. He's fight, you're fighting a mountain. That's just what it is. And it's like punching a mountain. That, he's a problem, man. You can't, deter, you can't deter him. That's problematic. Is there? Yeah. Yeah. Here. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So something happened here at the, at the, at the thing. Hey, Caden, what's what what's uh what's next for uh, Nate Diaz? Um, Nate Diaz. I would say the next best thing for Nate Diaz would probably move to either boxing or bare knuckle feet. Um, I know in his post-fight conference he was talking about, um, you know, conquering sport that Conor McGregor couldn't, and the sport that Conor McGregor couldn't was boxing, and also the only mm-hmm. other sport that Conor McGregor's ever competed in professionally, other than MMA, mm-hmm. was boxing. Um, mm-hmm. So I I don't know what else he could have been talking about, uh, other than boxing, but. That being said, I uh, I do think that that Nate Diaz could be a successful boxer in maybe the YouTube boxing scene. 
mm-hmm. where the retired MMA boxing scene, because that's just popped up apparently. Um, mm-hmm. And Baranoff Gillespie uh, will probably be good for him just because he's crazy. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, the next best thing after that would be for him to retire because right. both of the Nate Diaz brothers have nothing left to prove to this community. They have nothing left mm-hmm. to this community. Everyone has utmost respect, or should have utmost respect, for the D- for the Diaz brothers. Um, mm-hmm. You know, they've they've changed the fight game forever. They've changed the way mm-hmm. fights get promoted forever. They've changed so much. Do you think that Jorge Masvidal would be a fighter without without Nate Diaz or without uh, Nick mm-hmm. Diaz? No, he wouldn't. Do you think mm-hmm. all these new fake gangsters would, would would be fighters or would have that same persona? No, they wouldn't. The Diaz brothers have changed the entire fight game for forever. And um, and I, they have nothing left to prove, at least in my eyes. And I think the best thing... I, I, I would be happy if they retired. I would be happy if they mm-hmm. retired. I, I really don't want to see him go in there and get his ass beat. That would just be sad for me, mm-hmm. you know? Go out there and watch mm-hmm. one of my favorite fighters of all time, if not my favorite fighter of all time, go out and, you know, go in that downward spiral that you see old fighters go in. You know, and, and mm-hmm. you know, so many so many greats have done it. You know, look at, look at Chuck Liddell. Look at his last couple fights in the UFC. His last six fights were horrible. You know, that was... It was, it was just sad if you watch it. Go back and watch his, his last six fights. Um, mm-hmm. Just, you know, he's getting too old. Same with Chuck. Chuck had nothing left to prove, but he still fought. Mm-hmm. And Nate Diaz is still going to fight. He's not going to retire. So he'll probably either go mm-hmm. to boxing, YouTube boxing, hopefully, not real boxing, um, or, or bare knuckle. Okay. Yeah, you know what? Um, I, I totally, I totally agree. Um, and that's coming from a, just a perspective of seeing Nate Diaz. He's a warrior, and mm-hmm. warriors. We tend to want to see warriors keep war, not thinking about the warrior themselves. We think about the entertainment. And Nate Diaz being a warrior, he's taking so much, and you could kind of see. Just, I mean, he, you know, just you don't want to see him get too punch drunk, any more punch drunk to me, to be honest. Um, right. It's just measuring back from early in his career to now. He, he's, he kind of reminds me of Shane Mosley to a bit. Um, just to uh, hear him uh, talk with clarity in, in the beginning of their career and now that they, they have that, you know, they, they have that brain list. And mm-hmm. I, I would like to see, I don't want to see Nate Diaz, you know, right, to be honest, as entertaining as a guy is, I mean, the heart might want to see him fight, but to be honest, I don't want to see that guy take another punch. Bare knuckle mm-hmm. boxing, um, a- anything. I don't want to see him take another violent encounter. He, he's done enough. Mm-hmm. Okay. Penny, uh, what do you think of uh, uh, Chris uh, Eubanks uh, and uh, Colin Ben coming up in two weeks? Didn't they fight once before, a couple of years back? Couple years back, yeah. No, nah, you might yeah, be thinking that they're, they're they're fathers. Um, 
Nitro oh, yeah, Bank yeah, yeah, yeah. Chris Eubank. Yeah. yeah, they had that, that tremendous rivalry in the UK, uh, you know, a generation ago, um, where uh, I believe the Eubank won two fights, or Eubank won one, and one was a draw. And now their sons are yeah. fighting, big money fights, although they shouldn't be fighting because uh, Eubank fights at 160, actually won a, you know, paper title at 168, and Obviously, Ben fights at 147. They're meeting at a catchweight at 157 for a big UK fight. Even though both guys are on a cusp of title shots in their respective divisions, so that's that's what's going on there. Yeah, they're both very good. They could go either way. I I'm kind of leaning, I think, more a little bit on Eubank, but I think most would probably disagree with me. But I think Eubank will be able to pull it off at the end. I'm not Is sure. Is there a, a um, uh, rehydration clause? <laughs> that I, I don't know. Uh, I, 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 no, I, I, I think there is. Um, again, the fight is at 157. Chris Eubank has it way that low since like 2014. So his yeah. father actually pitched the bitch uh, during one of the press, you know, the phone press conferences. Uh, senior pitched the bitch because he was like, "Yeah, I'm pulling my son out of this. That's not healthy. He's risking his life." Weighing that low, yada yada yada. Um, obviously, the fight's still going to come off. Um, but yeah, it's <laughs> at 157. I'm not sure if there is a rehydration clause, but I believe there may be. And, Caden, uh, uh, what do you think? Uh, Daniel Rodriguez and Neil uh, McGay uh, on uh, October 15th. Kato. Oh, exactly. So what do you think of Rodriguez? He was talking uh, about Daniel Neil. Rodriguez versus Neil Magny. Maggie. Oh, Maggie. okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, Maggie. I, I see, you know, I see Neil Magny going in there and, and definitely taking the high wrestling tech, uh, high wrestling approach like he does with mm-hmm. some of his other fights. You know, mm-hmm. Neil Magny, he can stand up if he wants to. But he's definitely more of a specialist on the ground. Um, he's a phenomenal wrestler, and you know if if he gets Dan Rodriguez on the ground, I think he's gonna. At first, he's gonna go for the grounding pound, and once he gets Rodriguez tired, he's gonna go in for the submission. If he's if they're still on the ground at that point, if if, if Dan Rodriguez can't get up, um, mm-hmm. then it's 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 definitely gonna be a submission win. For, for for Neil Magny or KO win for Neil Magny, mm-hmm. um, but you know there's a but there. Um, Daniel Rodriguez can stand up with the best of them. We just saw him go three rounds with Li Jing Liang, and he looked very good. Now Li Jing Liang probably should have won that fight, maybe. Um, but you know, and and Daniel Rodriguez was fighting a man ten pounds lighter than him. But Li Jing Liang is a great fighter and a great boxer. And stand up is he's matched in, in that division pound to pound. He's 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 a he's one of the best boxers and best strikers in, in the UFC right now. He's not the best, mm-hmm. he's one. Um and and if Daniel Rodriguez and, and Neil Magny stand up, I'd say Daniel Rodriguez has the, definitely the edge in the stand-up game. 
But mm-hmm. once it goes on the ground, it's going to be pure domination from Neil Magny. Uh, Neil Magny okay. will get him on the ground. He hurt him. Hurt him early. Um, you know, I think the fight's just, it, it's going to be a long fight. If it's five rounds, it's going to mm-hmm. be even longer. Hmm. What do you think, Ty? Well, it definitely won't be a five-round fight because we know Neil Magny versus Daniel Rodriguez will not be a headliner. So it's not going to be a five-round fight. Um, outside of that, mm-hmm. I, I agree with a lot of what Kate said. I think um, I don't think Neil Magny will knock him out or submit him. I don't think he's a threat to do either. I do think he is a threat to pressure him, outwork him, and drown him the way he does every you know most guys over three rounds. Um, that's what makes Neil mm-hmm. Neil Magny is a difficult out because he's long. Um, he's known to be pretty durable, and he you know fights at a high pace, and he's murdering a clinch. Daniel Rodriguez has developed into kind of a good, slick, you know, low volume boxer with good power. Mm-hmm. Typically, unless you're special, is not going to beat Neil Magny. So I expect Neil Magny to kind of you know do what he does and survive some rocky moments here and there. But I believe he should outwork him. Good. What do you think, Steve? I think it can be. I think it can be a, a, a main a main event. I mean, look at the main event tonight. If 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 the main event tonight can be a main event, I think that fight. Can you know what? You're right. If it's a fight card, if it's a fight card, you're absolutely right. I, I, if it's a fight I, uh, night, it can. I, I, yep, yep. You're absolutely right. If it's just a fight night, I actually apologize, Steve. Incorrect. Yeah. Uh, if it's a fight night, it could be a five round fight. If it's a five round fight, well, this is kind of favorite Neil Magny, who. All of a sudden, it could be a stoppage because it's full travel. Mm-hmm. Z, what's your thought? That's correct, Caden. That's correct. Um, the, I, you know, past that, I agree with Ty and Caden on that one. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Well, we've come to the end of our uh, our program here. And, uh, in fact, we've extended. We're supposed to have a uh, boxing coach from the uh, Philadelphia was going to call in and talk about his fighters, but uh, he called in on the personal line and not the business line, and uh, held held us over about uh, 10 minutes to see if he could call back. But since he hasn't done that, we're just going to end the show. But uh, uh, there was a very special uh, situation set up this afternoon, and uh, starting to show off on a very sad note, uh, I think we should end it on a, a good note. Uh, a young man had a chance to uh, spend some time with his uh, grandfather today. It was for probably the first day he had off in many, many moons. Uh, Z, why don't you tell us about that? Oh, no, I just got to spend some time. Today I was off today. I got to spend some time with my grandson, little Jaden Mitchell. All right. Congratulations, buddy. Nice. Thank you. Thanks. This, uh, this is a... Uh, this is a family organization, and uh, each and every one of us are members of the same family, in case anybody wanted to know. Uh, we live in, and uh, and really enjoy uh, with each other's uh, company. Uh, all right, Tony, you want to lead us out? Yes, sir. As always, a wonderful show. Uh, thank you to every everyone on the show, all the listeners. Uh, I'd like to say my condolences to the Nellis County Sheriff's Office family and the family of uh, Deputy Michael Hartwick. Um, being a retired deputy myself, it's um, it hurts hard knowing when a brother's gone down like that. But 
he'll always be remembered, and he was a great cop. And uh, glad that they got the uh, the bad guy where he needs to be now. Um, mm-hmm. My condolences to everyone out there listening that's uh, part of that family. And I love all you guys. Thank you for having me on, and we'll definitely see you next week. Thank you. Caden? Caden? Oh, I think my he's bad. eating a sandwich. Um, <laughs> he, he wants to get a food sandwich. Um, yeah, it was another great show. Um, it was great to hear everybody on. Um, Bob, thank you for always backing me up with the MMA. Ty Zito, thank you for always being on point under boxing. Tony, thank you for always doing your thing. Thank and you. Uh, I'll see you on next week. I'll definitely be on. And um, have you. a great night. See you all. Right. Okay. Uh, Ty? Hey, it was a pleasure being on with everyone. I wish everyone a great week. Bob Bokopa, Coach Mellon's watching over us. Dr. Chris keeps us laughing. Everyone be safe and well. See? Uh, another wonderful show. Another fun show. I want to thank all you guys, my Fighting Words family. These shows are definitely in memory of Bob, Coach Mel, and Dr. Chris. And if anyone wants to hear any Fighting Words, please do call. And I, I just want to thank, thank uh, all you guys for everything, all the prayer you do for, for the show. And it uh, really has uh, helped us gain a, an awful lot of listeners around the world. And I appreciate each and every one of you. Um, Ladies and gentlemen, these programs are brought to you each and every night of the week in grateful appreciation to the men and women of the United States Armed Forces, the men and police and fire services, <coughs> excuse me, and the doctors and nurses and first responders on the first line of COVID, the wonderful people to clean up afterwards to, because they put themselves in harm's way in doing that, uh, and the, those who stock the shelves in this pandemic and in, in, in Florida right now in this uh uh, what would you call it, hurricane-demic. Uh, we'll see where it goes. Uh, but please, if you do live in Florida, think of the other people that are with you. Don't try to take eight and ten bot- uh, big things of water. Just take the two, enough to last uh, a day or two, because the water will be back on, the electric will be back on. So uh, just uh, uh, let's try and keep it uh, on an even keel. These programs are dedicated to those who've lost their lives in line of duty. Deputy Robert Anthony Carroll, Patrolman David Curtis, Joe and Jeffrey Jasowitz, uh, <clears throat> Sergeant Thomas Banger, Detective Randy Bell, Detective Ricky Childers, San Diego Officer Mike Hemner, Sergeant Tom Wilson, Charlotte County Sheriff's Office, Joe and Charlie Condit, Tar- Tarpon Springs Police Department, Deputy Chief Mike Godwin, Philadelphia Fire Department, Lieutenant Joyce Craig Lewis, Fire- Philadelphia Fire Department, Sergeant James O'Connor, Philadelphia Police Department, Sergeant Charlie yeah, I'm sorry, Chris Levake, Hillsborough County Sheriff's Department. Patrolman Arnolfo Crispin, Lakeland PD. Lieutenant Joe Zerba, Newcastle County Police. Deputy Josh Meyer, Newcastle County Sheriff's Office. Captain Matt Letourneau, Philadelphia Fire Department. Captain Chris Leach, Wilmington Fire Department. Lieutenant Artif Hope, Wilmington Fire Department. Lieutenant Jerry Ficus, Wilmington Fire Department. Chief, I'm sorry, Trooper Joe Bullock, Florida Highway Patrol. Uh, Trooper Chelsea Richards, Florida Highway Patrol. Chief Al Hogle, Longwood Chief Police Department. Chief Jimmy Ford, Wilmington Fire Department. And Deputy Mike Harwick, 
Pinellas County Sheriff's Office. My brothers and sisters, though, we may, you may be 10-7 at this point in time, and some will be, time will be 10-10 at the table of the Lord. And until that time, may the rays rise out the wind, DJ. May the winds be always at your back. May the rains fall softly on your fields and sunshine lightly on your face. Until we meet again, may the good Lord keep you and your families always in the palm of his hand. Good night. God bless and have a great week.
Good night, Bob. We love you and we miss you.